the lovely is Shauna Lee and welcome back to the Soul Frequency Show podcast, where we're stepping into the light and raising our frequency together. Each week, we get to return to this sacred space to have conversations about the things we all experience in life, love, health, and career. A space where we, as spiritual beings, having this human experience can amplify our gifts and remember our truth. The title of this episode is Improvisation with Spirit. So the highest spiritual purpose in life is joy and fun. That is why we're here, to experience our own loving hearts, our own self-love and our love for others through the lens of more joy and fun. Great news, right? (laughs) It's so easy to get stuck in all the other stuff, right? But if we focus on the joy and the fun, that is really powerful. And don't let yourself get stuck. Just don't do it. You can bring joy and fun and love into just about everything. You simply have to stay in the energy of it. Just bring the fun, be the fun, be the joy wherever you go. We all have this power, each and every one of us. It is a choice and it makes life so sweet. And I absolutely love this conversation with my guest today. She has done improvisation for years, right? Comedy improvisation. And she is relating it to how we can improvise in life, right? And she talks about the qualities of improvisation, which are phenomenal. And it is really a vehicle to getting unstuck and to being in the moment. You never know in improvisation what's going to be said or how the story will evolve And to be great at it, you have to be totally present in the moment, listening and playing full out. It's a perfect lesson for life too. My guest today is Katie Goodman. She is an award-winning comedian, author, and speaker. She's been seen on Showtime, Current TV, and True TV. She has toured internationally for over 12 years, and her comedy show is currently running off-Broadway. Her comedy has amassed over 3 million views online. Katie holds a philosophy degree from the University of Pennsylvania. As a keynote speaker and trainer, Katie has taught over 10,000 people the art of bringing the tools of improvisational comedy into their work in everyday life. She writes for O, the Oprah Magazine, and is the author of Improvisation for the Spirit, Living a More Creative, Spontaneous, and Courageous Life Using the Tools of Improv Comedy. Katie was nominated for the MacArthur Foundation Genius Grant for her unique work in theater. So with no further ado, the lovely Katie Goodman. Hey Katie, I'm so happy to be here with you today. Hi Shauna, I'm so glad to be here. I know, we're gonna have fun. You have the best everything, topic, fun, life, (laughs) history. We're going to dive into all of it. I'm so excited. Um, And I think what's really cool, what I love about what you're doing is really taking this idea of improvisation and how we can bring this into our lives and how we can live more authentically and learn to create and all of that fun stuff. So please, this is going to be the most fun part for me. Please take us back to 
um, how you did improv in life and how you kind of started making these connections between, hey, if we had more of this improvisation skill in our life, um, it would probably make our life easier and better. <laughs> so um, how did I come up with it? Do you mean how did I sort of put these two together? Yeah. And where did you, yeah. did you start in improvisation? I, well, I'd been doing it since high school, um, but I actually started in theater as an actor and I came to comedy in my um, yeah late 20s. So I hadn't really done that much um, specifically like comedy writing and things like that. I did have, I have had an improv troupe for 20 years and I did it in college as well. Um, but what kind of happened was in my 20s, this weird amalgamation of I um, did, I got certified as a Kripalu yoga teacher and I was teaching uh, middle school girls an improv class after school. And I was a philosophy major and my husband was studying to be a um, Buddhist uh, teacher. And all that together, <laughs> I was like, wait a second, this all goes together. And I actually, I had sort of a funny day because I, I did a lot of women's issue stuff and I've worked a lot with women, um, both in comedy and using the tools of improv. And as we know, there's a lot more women in sort of the self-help field. So there we're drawn to this workshop, but the way that it came about is sort of funny. I had a, so I had these teenage girls there. I think they were like in sixth grade. And for some reason it was an all girls class. Like it uh, wasn't the plan, but that's just who showed up. And we were doing this fun improv game. And all of a sudden there it's set like in a hospital and, um, the scene gets going and one of the girls is a doctor, which is already great because, you know, if there'd been a boy in the room, sometimes that would always just sort of fall to the boy. This is like 20 years ago. And then the other girl's like in labor <laughs> and she's got like her knees up and they're all breathing together and like, you can do it. And they're give birth to this like imaginary improvised baby. And I thought, oh my God, this never would have happened if boys were in the room. <laughs> and so I just found that so interesting. And what else did girls have to say, you know? So that was when I created this all women's retreat using the tools of improv comedy as like an empowerment tool. And so that they would know using your word, you know, what was their authentic voice and that they could, you know, how do, how do we say what's, you know, deeply authentically us without being censored and having shaming voices or any of that stuff. So that's my kind of funny, weird beginning. And then it just sort of grew from there. And I did workshops and, you know, I wrote a book called Improvisation for the Spirit that was a workbook, which was a little tricky taking it from like this collaborative, you know, human <laughs> um, 3D uh, improv workshop and turning it into like a solitary paper book that one person can do by themselves because improv is intrinsically... Um, collaborative. So that was kind of an interesting, um, you know, uh, trick to try to pull, <laughs> to pull out. And yeah, so that's what I've been doing. Yeah, for sure. It's so cool. And what is it about improvisation, like for you just personally, that was so interesting for you to like, cause you've done it, you know, throughout your life. What is it that you get from those experiences that is valuable that you've applied to your life? So in terms of all the tools of improv that I've applied? 
Yeah. And the things that started rising, I mean, imagine you're doing improv and you're like, oh, well, if I use this in my life over here, like that's helpful. Or, you know, just being in the moment, like being present, I would think for one, but then probably so many other things. So I have sort of what I call like the eight main tools of improv. And they, you know, it starts, as you said, with being present. Um, Obviously, if you are not listening to your partner, you kind of are in a, you're like two scenes are happening (laughs) at the same time. You know what I mean? Right. And so being very present and mindful and connecting is really the very first thing you need to do. And what that then sort of leads to is number two, which I think a lot of people know the expression, um, yes, and. So in improv, there's the yes, and tool. And what that is, is I'll give an example, like say some, well, here's what it wouldn't be. If someone said, was on stage and they said, hey, look at that pink elephant. And you were like, what pink elephant? Like what happens to the scene right there? It right. just dies, right? So what you want to be doing is, you know, oh, you yes and them. So you accept the information. You're like, you don't have to literally say yes when you're in improv, but yes, and it's, you know, standing on your mother-in-law or whatever. And then there's some more information added. So it's not just a yes, because if you're like, yep, I see the pink elephant, that doesn't do that. (laughs) You're like, okay, where do we go with this? Exactly. Um, So you're not really a good partner, even though you're like trying to be help um, um, in agreement you need to be like more helpful, right? So then that's where the and comes in and the and needs to help it move further. So that is like, I mean, what metaphor is that not, you know, for collaborating? Like, you know, instead of fighting against your, you know, your toddler or your children or teenager or whatever, fighting against, you know, people in the staff meeting, um, fighting against things going wrong, you know, like the train being late or the plane um, being canceled. So, I mean, how do you even, you know, I yes and all the time when I can remember to, (laughs) and I'm, you know, I'm still exhausted and frustrated just like everybody, but when I can remember, I'll go, oh my God, okay, the plane was canceled. You know, we're going to make a night of it (laughs) here in the city we've never been to. That's kind of yes anding. It's like accepting the information instead of fighting the circumstances and denying, you know, that it's happening. And then it's like, and how can we either grow or learn or have fun or connect or whatever it is, make our situation good out of that. And I think, you know, you probably, I mean, your listeners and you and I probably know tons of examples in like innovation, you know, where there's a mistake, you always hear this. And then what did they do with it? As opposed to, um, you know, things aren't always like we're working on trying to problem solve and we know exactly how we're going to get there, which sort of takes me to um, the next one, which is um, uh, give up the goal. So we're like constantly reinventing ourselves, you know, and our paths and everything. And we're like changing and growing. And the thing that we want to have is like this authentic life. And if you, so if you are, Like, I think people think like, I'm going to grow and I'm going to change and then I'm going to be done. (laughs) Right. Like I'll be there and it'll be perfect. And I'm going to hold on to it, like gripping. Right. Don't we want to get to the finish line? We're like, where's the finish line? Let's (laughs) get there. (laughs) 
So that doesn't work. <laughs> Anyone who's tried that knows that that doesn't work. So the idea is you're constantly reinventing yourself, like even if you don't know it. So, but to become more conscious of it is going to make it a lot easier and um, more effective. So for example, in improv, um, I have this sort of crazy story. In improv, we were once on stage and like the audience, I don't know why we're in the hospital all the time, but the audiences <laughs> seem to like, there's a lot of drama, I guess. And this, one of my actor uh, friends came out and he was looking very like um, <clears throat> authoritative. And I thought, okay, maybe he's the surgeon in charge. And I'm like a patient who um, had just had like a nose job. So I come in and I say, my first line is, doctor, do you recognize this? And I point to my nose. He has no idea what's going on in my head. Um, so he said, um, oh, everybody look, the, with the missing nose, we've found it. The nurse has stored it on her face. So of course it was completely ridiculous and unexpected. And I had to then quickly, yes and the whole situation and shift. I couldn't be like, no, no, no this is the nose job. You know, if I had been like really attached to my idea, it wouldn't have gone anywhere. And it wouldn't be really being a good partner because then they'd be like, oh, I just gave you this like crazy fun thing and you didn't even play with me, you know? Right. So how does this relate to <laughs> our authentic everywhere. self? Everywhere. It yeah. relates everywhere. So what happens, I think, in our lives is we walk into situations and we have an idea of where it's going. And then we get very, very attached. And that can be like on a Tinder date, like you have preconceived notions of who that person's going to be. Um, what, certainly with parenting, um, we all know that. And even if you don't have kids, you can see that with, um, you know, friends, kids or whatever, which is like, oh man, that kid's giving their parents a run for their money. Like that is not what they were expecting. And then I think the trick is, I mean, you just, your choices are fight it <laughs> or yeah. give up the goal a little bit and roll with it. Um, and yes, and it some more. And that's, I mean, that is, I think that's the biggest lesson from improv um, that just can apply to everything. And you're just going to keep growing and growing and growing and changing. And if you can kind of get, you know, Shauna, like if you can kind of get in that space that we're in where you're like, I can feel I'm sort of changing. I, uh, and I, God, I want to know what's, what do I want next? Right. That's usually the question. It's not necessarily like I'm changing, like I'm getting older and my knees are messed up. It's more like I'm changing and my desires are changing. So what do I want next in my life? And then instead of being either stuck on all the shoulds or what the past has been, um, it's really hard and it takes practice to be someone who is like, I'm going to sort of sit with this and I'm going to maybe meander around um, in my mind about what possibilities there are. Um, and that's one of my other skills I like talking about, which is the art of getting lost. So what happens next is, or what I feel like we need to be doing all the time is training ourselves how to be lost, how to be comfortable being lost. So like, being lost is, you know, I mean, it can be something extreme, like I just got divorced, or I'm literally lost in another country, or, you know, I um, thought I could um, do this job, and it turns out this is not my skill, or whatever. So you're lost, and then we all panic, <laughs> um, naturally. But if we don't panic, and we can 
you know, and I hate, this always sounds like I'm being like a Pollyanna, like if you can find it fun and everyone's like, damn it, I don't want to find this fun, you know, and it's more (laughs) like, how do we cultivate this like as a a mental muscle, a, a practice so that we can then, in other easy ways, like going into a bookstore and you're like, I've never been to the science fiction section before, I'm going over there. Or I've never been to the male bodybuilding section, I'm going over there. You know, just something that catches your eye and allowing yourself to sort of play and be lost. And then it's easier to practice in these other ways, like, you know, going to a different country, just your meeting, you know, going up and talking to somebody at work who you've never talked to before. And then the harder things become easier because you're like, hey, I'm someone who's comfortable being a little bit lost and, you know, taking chances and risks and things like that. It's so cool. I'm thinking about this, something that happened recently that I, about this being lost thing, because I agree 100%. And I, from an energetic standpoint, feel like it's exactly how you, it's like you release certain things from your life or you let go of them or you move out of them. And then there's this like mid lost thing, like this wandering, which is where you discover, right? I call it the gap. I don't know. I mean, people probably call it a ton of different things, but, but it's like this gap before you open up into a new energy. And it's really funny because like, we're always learning and growing. Right. And I was at this event and I ran into a friend and I was like sharing with him recently like that I was feeling like a certain way that surprised me. Like I was feeling, I go, I feel fragile and I don't know what Mm. other word to use, but I think that like the more I, um, like my psychic gift grows, like the more fragile I feel because I think I feel life at deeper levels. And I said, I always thought that like, it would be, it would make me feel more solid. Like I see things, right, that haven't happened yet. Therefore, I feel more confident, right? Like more assured, right? And it's like, and it's not, it's this fragile feeling. And I think it's because um, there's so much subtle energy and movement happening all the time. And when you start to tune into that, it just feels like, wow, you know? And so I was saying this and he was like, well, why do you think you should feel any different? And I was like, oh, yeah. I'm like, because I have been walking around not wanting to just get lost in that fragileness, right? And just be with it and just be like, whoa, this is a whole new, it's like it's swimming in a new swimming pool, right? It's like, what's this all about? And like, what are all these like new things I'm experiencing? Instead, I'm like, oh, I should feel this way, like a predetermined way that I thought I should feel when I get to some imaginary finish line that doesn't exist. Uh And and like when he said that, I was like, that's so freaking brilliant. It like immediately just released me from like, and now I could just swim in the swimming pool and be right. cool with it. And it's like exactly what you say about the wandering is just such an important part of yeah. the discovery process of you know, being in your authentic self. Right. I like the word also, um, another word for the, our vocabulary in this besides fragile, which I also like is um, like just vulnerable, right? Or open. Yeah. And it's yeah. a little less loaded for some people. Um, so if you're, and, and that's what you're talking about is just being open, like to jump in the swimming pool. I was picturing also, you know, everybody uses the butterfly as this metaphor, but the the part that's so dangerous where they can get eaten <laughs> is when they've just broken out of the cocoon, their, arm, their arms, their wings are still wet and they're like holding them to dry in the air before they can fly away. And that's the moment that they've just emerged into this new uh, you know, the metamorphosis, this new version of themselves. And this is like yeah. uh, pushing it a little bit with the butterfly. But for us, you know, when we've 
you know, you're swimming in the pool is that phase and you called it the gap or, or fragile or whatever. And then the next one is even, gosh, in some ways, sometimes they can be even more fragile or scary because you're like, I think I might know what the next thing is. And now I'm a little scared to name it and say it and authentically step into it because this is the part where I could get shut down and I don't yet feel confident about it, right? <laughs> yeah, and it's like it's a never-ending process, right? Right, because I know. Doors just keep opening <laughs> and they just keep opening. It's like you're like, oh, right, I got to this new place. And then it's like, nope, here you go to another <laughs> new place, right? And it's just so fascinating. And I think the more you have this experience, it's so beautiful you take people through this because the more you have this experience, the more you realize, whoa, there is so much like evolving out there to do. And like, yeah. you kind of get in this place. I don't know if you feel this too, where you're like, okay, like it's going to come again, right? It's like, <laughs> I'm going to open up to even more and I'm going to experience other things. And so it does require a lot of like, and I think you get more and more used to surrendering and just kind of, you know, being in that, that lost state or the wandering yeah. that happens. And once you've gone through it several times, you're like, oh, right, this is how it goes. Exactly. Then, you know, I mean, the, 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 the reward, which makes us keep bothering to go through this, <laughs> right. there has to be a cookie at the end, right, is the authenticity. You're like, ah, oh, yes, powerful. Like now I like this new version of myself, you know? And I, that growth is what we're all addicted to in the self-help movement. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because um, it's, so it's so funny, Shauna. I've been, I, was, I just got back from tour and it was like a really fun but tiring tour. And I just took a couple of days and like binged Downton Abbey. And I'm only halfway, so don't say anything, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm like the last person to watch it. But what's so funny is without saying any spoilers, is it's like you're watching a long, if you're watching and binging in like four days, you know, you're watching this trajectory of these lives and it's like the, the writer gets everything to this happy, happy, and you can just feel it. You're like, oh no, everything's too good, right? And it gets all good and happy and everyone's married and having babies and then somebody dies and it's like, ah. Oh. And it just, when, you, when I've been watching like this whole generation of a life in a short period of time, you're like, God, it is what happens, right? Just goes, it changes. You're like, and now smooth sailing. Oh, no, not smooth sailing. <laughs> like I right. Or it's like you're on in one area, you're like totally smooth sailing over here. And you're like, up, oh, but over here, yes, this needs my attention, right? <laughs> like something's going on. And I love how you talk about in the book, the unsuccess stories. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's really powerful. Can we talk about that? Yeah, I'm trying to remember because I, I haven't read that section in a while. Go ahead. He <laughs> um, was talking about like, um, oh, yes, yeah, not always telling, you know what I mean, the stories. Like you were saying how, you know, at personal development workshops or whatever, like someone's up on stage and, you know, they're telling you like how they did this and that yeah. and how it ended up in like that they're multimillionaires or, you know what I mean? Yeah. It all ended up shiny and beautiful and how valuable the unsuccess stories are yeah. in our life. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny too, like I have a mastermind group, we're all speakers and we just joke all the time about how like, we're like, God, I don't have the absolute tragic story about, you know, something horrible happening and coming through it. And we were, I hope it's okay that I keep using yeah. the word damn, but, and we have this line, which is like, you know, I'm a goddamn triumph, even if... <laughs> I didn't have something like that. I mean, we all are. Like, who gets through life 
even without major tragedies, without like exhaustion and anxiety. I mean, it's just sort of, nobody is, you know, smooth sailing the whole way through. But it is, it is interesting, the whole unsuccess stories. And I do love hearing them. I love listening. Well, and I think it's great because I think, you know, traditional, like what we think in the world is that we should tell a story that has a happy ending, right? Right. I mean, no matter how tragic the story is or what we go through, that it's okay if we can get to that happy ending and tie it up with a red bow and go along our merry way. But yeah. there are so many different, I just recorded a, I do these little episodes called sessions where I just do like five to 10 minutes and I talk on a subject. And I recently was talking about uh, like my secret to success and uh, without giving it away, it's nothing anyone would think it is. But I think that we have this weird idea of what success is. And when we are able to understand that I've come to understand that the things that seem the most unsuccessful are actually like totally the biggest success. Like they're <laughs> the things that I learn the most from. They're the things that I um, readjust, right? Like mm. things that I'm doing or ways that I'm living. They're yeah. the things we remember forever, right? It's like, yeah. oh, right, this happened. I mean, we tend to forget about the things that are the easy success. It's like, oh, it came, it went, you know, have a right. nice day. And I think, and I love sharing those stories because I think we all have them. And like when we put them off to the side and we hide them or we put them in the shadows, you know, it's just not yeah. honoring what the process is like of being human which is just getting on the court and you're going to have a lot of all of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, th I think the other thing that you just made me think of while you were saying that too, is this whole comparing thing. So we spend a lot, I mean, I'll, I won't speak for everybody, but spend a lot of time perhaps um, comparing people in our field or in our family. That's a classic one. I don't have any siblings, so I got away with that, <laughs> but um, you know, comparing ourselves to this sort of imaginary idea of where we should be by now, say, for example, you know, by 50, I should have accomplished da, 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 da you know, it's also unbelievably irrelevant. And I, I had, um, I wrote a song, it's on YouTube, when I turned 47, um, it, the song is called Halfway Closer to Dead. <laughs> and when I turned 47, um, I started a hashtag for actresses called Say Your Age. And I wanted actresses to be able to say their age, right? Women you know, um, and for us to all get over that. And what was really funny is three days later, I got my first part as a 50 year old. And I was like, God damn. <laughs> and, um, but what happened, like the song is about this idea of being, um, sort of giving up the goal a lot in a lot of ways and also being happy where you are and one of the absolute unbelievable joys of getting older is being maybe less competitive or knowing that it doesn't matter like what if you know you get a thousand more podcast listens or a thousand more subscribe whatever friends on Facebook you know at what number um I remember we had like there was a point at which we had 500,000 um, views of one of my songs. And we're like, that's amazing, but we want a million. <laughs> we were like, totally. what is the difference? You know, there, it's just this fabricated thing that we make up to sort of, like our ego makes up just to kind of keep us from being happy. And um, like that there's going to be some dog treat at the end of, 
you know, that number that's going to yeah, be different. And it's, you make up such a great point. And I have like a thing within my uh, private practice where I really have people like mute, you know, people like on Instagram or mute, you know, several people that they follow, like anyone that triggers a response in them to mute them for a period of time and, and realize what it feels like to not be being triggered daily, because that's what social media does right? mm-hmm. in so many different ways. Like either somebody you're following is doing things that you want to do, or, you know, looking at the likes and looking at whatever. And we've actually like within our company seen that when we do that, like if, if you have any triggering response to anybody, even if it's your best friend or your parent or, you know what I mean? Anybody. Yeah. And you mute them for a period of time and you spend less time. So we track, you know, the amount of time on there, you actually experience more joy and more confidence <laughs> and feeling good in your life. Right. Yeah. So we don't realize that we're energetically taking in, you know, as we're scrolling along right. all of this stuff and then it's bringing up all of these things. And so it's a fascinating thing. I mean, for anybody that's listening to try it out and see what the effect is in your Ugh, life, because it really makes that. you present yeah. to what we, and like you said, I mean, I'm so lucky to work with so many amazing people, but it doesn't matter if somebody has, you know, 300 followers or mm-hmm. 3 million followers, right? right? The number never matters. It's always a game of, it's like that thing in life where they say, if you have, um, you know, this game with money where there's never enough, even if you make $10 million a year, you'll make sure there's never enough. You'll just buy more expensive things. Mm -hmm. Even if you, you know, or if you make 50,000 a year, you'll make sure you never have enough. And it's the same type of thing that we do to ourselves. And And so- yeah, the um, I don't know if you've seen the Yale um, Happiness course. Um, that oh, how cool! Teaches, but um, it's on Coursera. It's not called the Science of Happiness, but something like that. And um, all these studies are in it, ch- showing that up to a certain amount, I think it's like seventy thousand dollars per household or something. <clears throat> you're it, that is helpful to get up to that point because of healthcare and whatever. But after that, there's zero difference in self-described self-reporting happiness. And then there was some crazy statistic. I thought this was so interesting that said, um, so like really way all the way up as far as you can go to a million, you know, there's no difference in their happiness level, but people who were making like $150,000 a year thought they were happier than when they were making 70, except what's And so you're like, well, if they think they're happier, they're happier. But then when they do this other part of the survey, they self-report exactly the same numbers as before. So they don't even know they're not happier. They just think they must be because it makes sense logically. Like I must be, I have more money. So that to me just blew me away. And I've been working with, um, I had a course I was teaching called uh, Quit Your Day Job. And it was about helping creative people um, make just enough money to do the creative work they loved without having to do, you know, 40 hours of something else. But everyone in my class over and over was shocking me by saying they thought money was going to solve every single problem. And I was like, yeah. oh God, you guys, I have terrible news. You know, right. <laughs> <laughs> you're taking you with you <laughs> when you're richer. So yeah. all the stuff you're dealing with now, like except the money thing, you're also going to be dealing with there. I mean, I think it's very, it's complicated and it's, it's confusing. Well, I feel like that's the beauty of personal development work is like, you know, if it's not going, if something outside of us or hitting some marker in life, right, be it with money or a relationship or a certain job or whatever, is not going to deliver the sense of like happiness and fulfillment, right? right? Like once we realize that, it's like, okay, well then where does that come from? 
And that's a really powerful question, right? Because then it's like, well, if it's not me hitting some marker, then I need to look somewhere else. Right. So I have this answer to that because I had to, after exactly what we're talking about, after working with my students, I was like, oh my God, we need a checklist. So, and it's on my website, um, which is kittygoodmanspeaking.com and it'll, you can get it there. And it, it's a checklist. It's like a a life satisfaction checklist and you just kind of do it for a week every day. And it's like, um, now I can't remember what it is. One of them is finances, but it's like health, um, joy, connection, uh, meaning and purpose. Um, and a few other things I can't think of right now, creativity and, um, connection being really, really important. So like, you don't have to have 10, one out of 10, you know, you don't have to have tens on all of them, but if you're consistently noticing like fun is at a two, every time I do this stupid checklist, you're like, okay, I need to listen to that. Or if you're like, every time I go, um, on vacation with my family connection, suddenly an eight and the rest of the time it's a two, you know, then how do we get that eight or at least a six or seven in the rest of our life? So it's kind of this way to, um, and people can fill in their own little boxes if it's not one of mine. Um, but it's, it is trying to answer the question that you just said, like, if it's not these, you know, success, um, ladder, you know, checkpoints or whatever we're calling them, if it's not a job title, if it's not a, I'm mother of the year, <laughs> you know, given to you by somebody else, then um, what, then what is it? And I think you just kind of can't go any further until you kind of figure that out, or you're just going to be spinning your wheels like a little hamster wheel. Yeah. And that's an amazing tool. I love that. So it's at katiegoodmanspeaker.com. Speaking. Speaking. katiegoodmanspeaking.com. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. The first thing you get when you do that, and we can talk about this later, is a worksheet on how to gag your inner critic, which is also a good thing for when you're in that fragile little wet winged butterfly stage and um, how to progress without having your inner critic um, pretend it's, um, you know, helping you by protecting you, but it's not really helping you. Um, That's the first thing you get. And then I think the second thing you get is the checklist. But Shauna, I also want, I didn't really answer your question about the sort of like YouTube comments and muting, because I actually think that's really, really valuable. Um, My friend Kelly Carlin, she's George Carlin's daughter. So she's like a comedian and a um, a speaker and a life coach. She's great. Um, sorry, she's not a comedian. She's a, um, a writer and a life coach. And she, um, talks about, um, every summer she does like a three month total blackout on social media. And she now teaches this (laughs) and it's really, really powerful because what you're saying, you know, you're going inside for validation and, and you're shutting off all this stimulation. And one of the things I noticed um, in the last couple of years, so I have this other show called Broad Comedy and we tour um, mostly to Planned Parenthoods and we've raised a million dollars for Planned Parenthood so far. And um, we do all women, not all, but mostly women's issues comedy. So a lot of mom stuff and a lot of, you know, um, funny sex stuff and, and some other issues. And it's really fun. And then every now and then, <clears throat> every four months, we put up a video online. And because it's a little political, you can imagine what we get. So both on Facebook and on YouTube, and I get notifications and I just have to turn off the notifications, even the good ones. And that's the problem is because you're also not seeing the good stuff. So my husband for a while (laughs) became like the intermediary where he'd be like sending me the good ones. (laughs) Right. You know, but then you feel, 
I think what's tricky about that, especially in this day and age where we're all so it's so divisive, if you're not hearing anything from the other side, nobody's questioning your arguments or anything. So what we kind of did was, you know, we're blocking the people who are just like using the F word at us and stuff on our social media. And we're just like, come on, really? We're just, that's not even, there's nothing in that to discuss. Yeah, not um, And they just get our fans all upset. And it's just like, it's making the world a worse place. So we're happy to block them. And then every now and then two really smart people get on my page. Cause I don't look at it all, often enough to like really respond every day. Um, they'll go on like maybe the broad comedy Facebook page and they'll argue with each other about something. But in this, you know, I, I respectfully disagree. And you're like, oh my God, you guys are so amazing. Can you please run this country? Cause it's so kind. And it's so, I hear what you're saying, but, <laughs> um, and that's just a delight. And so I've kind of made this sort of middle ground where it's like, I'm not going to listen to what you were kind of talking about this just contentious, mean spirited, going nowhere stuff. And I'm trying to actively seek out and listen to things that are more complex, maybe not so black and white and um, kind. <laughs> yeah. And it made a big difference. But I, I think muting at first is a great idea. Just yeah. And, and sometimes we don't figure out like why things trigger us. Like there is yeah. so much great information at knowing you know, why something like asking the deeper question of like, why is this so triggering to me? <laughs> like right, right. people can say, it's not just anybody saying a mean thing or anybody posting anything, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, there's just certain people for whatever reason or certain things that get said that are like, Ooh, that really got me right. Like yeah. that but, hit me in a certain place. And so it's just understanding ourselves. And I think you can figure out like, there's a great process. I don't know if you know, Byron Katie, I do. Um, yeah. So B-Y-R-O-N, Katie, she, you guys can look up something called, uh, her website is thework.com. And she has this process, which it sounds like, Shawnee, you know, which she takes you through four questions. And um, what, but what it's called is a judge your neighbor worksheet. <laughs> so the idea is you pick somebody, it doesn't have to be your neighbor, but it can be your spouse. But I always suggest people like do something a little bit easier at first, but you know, even a celebrity, like pick somebody you're really judgy of. And then look at it. It's a projection. You don't really know that person. Um, what? And we're doing it all the time anyway, you know? So it's like, we might as well notice we're doing it. So you pick somebody and you're like, God, they make me so mad when they are greedy, let's say. So the only real options to figure out there is either, you know, underneath you're greedy yourself, um, you're afraid you're greedy, <laughs> or you kind of wish you could be a little greedier. <laughs> like there's not, <laughs> not a lot of things it could be, but it's one of them. And you, that's why you get activated, right? It's something about, but you have to figure out what the thing is. Um, right. Absolutely. You know, it's what's so, the thing that's pissing you off? Yeah. It's all those deeper questions that like open new doors, right? And yeah. then you get back to what we were talking about, where it's just this process that keeps opening new doors, right? Yay, it's a new you door. Guys, yay, it's never going to end. No, I'm, I'm like, what'd you get out of this episode? It's never going to end. Okay, perfect. Well, we did our job, so we're all good. <laughs> it's so funny. It's so awesome. So I love everything you're doing. You have an amazing podcast oh. called The Improvised Life. 
Um, your book, again, is called The Improv Improvisation for the Spirit, Live a More Creative, Spontaneous, and Courageous Life Using the Tools of Improv Comedy. So awesome. And you've got that Thank amazing you. quiz that you told us about. And we're just excited. I'm going to ask you the four questions now that we ask all of our guests Ooh. on the show. Okay. This is the question round, the rapid fire question round. Okay. <laughs> no, it's not rapid fire, but um, it's called <laughs> the anatomy. Very slow of and thoughtful fire. <laughs> it's slow and thoughtful or rapid fire, whichever way you want to go. We're good. Um, it's called the anatomy of transformation and it has uh, four steps to it. And the first step is called truth. I believe that when we get to some of our deepest truths, that it's a catalyst in our life and it opens new doors for us. So what is a deep truth that you've come across in your own life? Oh, goodness. Okay. I think it was the projection thing, <laughs> yeah. actually, because I know, like, for example, if I'm mad at my teenage son, <laughs> um, if I really look at it, uh, it has so much more to do with me than with him. So there's, um, yeah, there's a thing I do when I give speeches, <laughs> which I say to the audience sort of towards the end, I'm like, I want you to fill in the three blanks. Katie Goodman is blank, blank, and blank about me. And then they say three words. And usually it's like funny or it's something else. I mean, it's not like she's silent and a wallflower, but you know what I mean? Right. And, but like, or courageous or something. And then I'm like, okay, the reason like this isn't the most egotistical exercise on the planet is because I did a little trick on you. It's about you. It's not about me. So how are you courageous or wanting to be courageous or afraid you're not courageous? Like what, what are you valuing in somebody else? So I think that for me has been a truth in that it's, um, it's something that is happening, whether I acknowledge it or not. So I have to remember that it's true, that it's, I'm projecting all the time. Mm. So that was not rapid. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's so great. It's so powerful because we're all doing it, right? So yeah. we may as well be knowing that and talking about it. <laughs> And being aware, the second pillar is release. And when we come across this truth, like, oh, wow, like the way I'm looking at things is, is a projection and I need to ask myself some deeper questions. What got released? Like be it belief sets or limitations or relationships or ways of being. Um, once you realized the projection piece, what was it for you that you released? Yeah. Um, needing to have a certain level of success because it looked like what a comedian's supposed to look like. You know, when we stopped trying to do comedy clubs because we hated them and we instead did Planned Parenthood shows in 500 seat theaters, I was like, this is so much better. I had to let go though of the idea of a successful comedian is one who plays every weekend in New York when I don't even want to be doing that. <laughs> right. How powerful is that? I mean, how often are we doing things that we don't even want to be doing just because we think that's the right thing to do or I people know. are going to look up to us or something yeah. um, or approve of us? That's right. so powerful. And yeah. once you let go of that, right, there is that gap that we go into where it's kind of like, okay, well, if I'm not going to be chasing this, I need to do big theaters and big cities on the weekend who am I now? And in that process, we're actually changing our frequency. We're coming more into resonance with what our inner truth and our authenticity is. Mm -hmm. And the third pillar is experience, which is what changed in your experience of life and experience of yourself when you said, I don't need to do this anymore. Uh -huh. Well, my income quadrupled, which is funny in itself, um, without meaning to it all. And I also was so much more connected. I stopped, the other thing I stopped doing was my solo show um, because 
that was something where, you know, I did funny songs out of piano. And that was the thing that I'd been sort of working towards is this solo career. And then I went, I released the idea, sorry, I'm backing up a little bit, but I released the idea that that was the way I was supposed to go because I hated working solo. I'm a, I'm a theater girl. Like it's the whole point is to do stuff with other people for something bigger than yourself, which is the show and the audience. And I started working with Broad Comedy, my show that I direct and my five girls, women actresses. And now we're touring and I'm having a blast. I'm never anxious or like, I don't have performance anxiety anymore. Like it's so much fun and it's so much more successful. Ugh, I love that. And the fourth is a line. And this is the thing I look at it as like the glue that holds, right? It's like, mm -hmm. what holds us in this new frequency, this alignment, this truth, this vulnerability within ourselves. And so these, for some people are rituals or practices or um, people that we put ourselves around experiences. We do the things that we call, this is keeps us in our happy alignment. What is that? So what are, okay. What are the experiences or the um, thing I say to myself? Oh, what do you say to yourself? That's a good one. Well, oh, that's what I think when you said line at first, I was thinking like, oh, is there a line that I say to myself? I was just thinking like, does this, is this really that important? You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, I know what I say. Actually, I say it to the cast and this is, I think this is the same answer, alignment and align. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, I say when we're all like flipping out because the planes later, some stupid thing is happening with the tech our lights or whatever. I just say, guys, we're not running an emergency room. We're running a theater company. And we're all like, right, right. Oh, right, right. Okay. <laughs> no one's going to die. We're all okay. I know. And I'm the daughter of a surgeon. So I've actually seen that a lot. You know, I spent my whole childhood in the hospital hanging out with him. And um, it's a, it's a, it was a great gift. <laughs> and isn't it funny that we think we, it's like, when you say that, like, we're not running a surgery. So, you know what I mean? This is the theater. People are like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Right. Like, because inside of us, we do feel like it's life or death, whatever's yes. going on. And, and we can actually yeah. breathe. That and that is the alignment. Um, and I think it does come down to authenticity because when I say, <laughs> in a funny way, when I say, you know what? I mean, I do think my work is important. I love both my comedy work and I love teaching my workshops and I do a lot of corporate stuff. So I help people who never get to do like creative stuff, you know? Uh, um, but I saw also at the same time as thinking it's important, I think you can also say it's not that important. Like, you know, chill. Yes. <laughs> my husband has a, um, a Buddhist quote, kind of an app with these beautiful pictures and it's called chill. And like our whole life, we had this sticker on the inside of his truck that says chill. <laughs> and it's a picture of the Buddha and it just says chill under it. And I just love that because it's a little bit irreverent and funny. And it, it's like, yes, oh God, that's all we have to do is chill a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And when you hear that word, your shoulders just come down and you start breathing again. I mean, it's like amazing. One word just goes, oh, yeah. okay, right. Chill. Yeah. <laughs> I'm back in the moment. Well, you know what? You're awesome. Aww, Katie Goodman. You. This was so you just fun. This was so fun. I could talk to you forever. I know. You're such a blast. <laughs> so thank you so much for everything that you shared. I mean, I really feel like these are tidbits that really will help people, um, you know, find things to be more themselves and, and oh. be more in their creative self and be lost if they're lost, right? Oh, and yep. and be in and the moment. It. Yes, and enjoy <laughs> it. So thank you. Thank you so thank much for you. being with me today. Oh, it's such my pleasure. Thank you. I'm Shauna Lee, and you've been listening to the Soul Frequency Show podcast. 
You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Soul Frequency. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this show. Join me next week for more powerful awakenings and positive vibes. Thank you.